Hey, welcome to episode 18 of the Draft Champions podcast. With me today, I have Justin Mason of um, Friends with Fantasy Benefits. You can find him at Justin Mason FWFB. Um, he's, he's also a writer for Fangraphs. He's on The Sleeper and the Bust. Um, and um, he's also um, the creator of the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. And there's also a draft guide that he's going to tell us about right now. How you doing? I'm doing fantastically. It's uh, always great to uh, get to go on a show and not be like the one in control of how things go. So, <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to control this? Because I'd love to give you a control. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll try to take the reins at some point, I'm sure. But uh, that's my, my nature. But no, it's, 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 uh, it's awesome to be invited on. Okay, great. Because I'm, I'm missing Curlin today. So he's not, he's usually the one that take that sort of gets me under control if I'm not, if I'm not progressing properly or whatever. But um, I think you might, you might actually have be the only person that has him beat in having your hands in every cookie jar. I, I try. It's, uh, <laughs> it's something I'm actually trying to work on, like backing away from is doing so many things because it just leaves less time to be able to really like focus in on, you know, different sleep. sleep. Yeah. Sleep as well. Yeah. Like today, I think I, I recorded a three-hour podcast with Paul Spore, so uh, I got about 45 minutes of sleep before I went to go pick up my kid from uh, a school. So it's a uh, it's it's a grind type of year, though, or, or type of season. Like it's if you're like big into fantasy analysis or even just big into fantasy baseball, like right now is the time where you're like you're really grinding to make sure you've got all your prep done, getting your drafts done, and all that stuff. So. And there's so much content available this year. I feel like it just keeps expanding year after year. Yeah, it, it definitely does. It's uh, There's so much information out there. You've got to learn how to digest as much of it as, as fast as you can. And then decir- uh, decipher what's good and what's not. So if you had to pick a draft guide, what would you uh, suggest? Well, obviously <laughs> I'd pick my own draft guide. Uh, <laughs> so Friends Fantasy Benefits, it's the third year we've done a draft guide. Uh, you can get it on Amazon, um, either type in The Fantasy Benefit uh, or Justin Mason, or uh, probably type in Friends Fantasy Benefits as well, and you, you'll find it on Amazon. It's almost 500 pages long, uh, 30 team previews, uh, 30 team prospect previews from Matt Thompson over at Prospects Live, uh, a bunch of strategy guides, uh, ranks, uh, the projections from ATC, uh, auction values from ATC, it's uh, it's huge. Or if you just want a PDF or and you want to save a little bit of money, you can email me justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com and I'll sell you a PDF for $7. Beauty. Sounds like a good deal to me. Yeah. We, we try to undercut everybody else in the market because I mean, there's a million draft guides out there. So we try to be a little bit cheaper than everybody uh, in hopes that people go, well, uh, I could take this one and save a couple bucks. Uh, but it's definitely you're getting a ton of bang for your buck with it. What about six ninety nine? And you can do you can do the odd even pricing that. Mm. Yeah, and then you get the little sixty nine in there. I see where you're going. Yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so did um, how, how many people collaborated uh, on this draft guide? Oh God, probably close to twenty. Uh, Friends Fancy Benefits has gone from you know a, a three people to like sixty people within five years. So, I mean, we just got a ton of writers and a ton of people like Ariel Cohen, who isn't even a friend's fancy benefits guy and and Ruben guy, uh, not a friend's fancy benefits guy. Like they did a bunch of stuff for the draft guy, like Ariel's ATC projections and auction values are in it. Ruben is like an injury expert. 
yeah, and he, he did a bunch of injury stuff for us. Uh, and then just our normal writers, Matt Thompson, who, who's, you know, prospect guru and, uh, you know, guys like Gabe Zamet and uh, Walter McMichael and Paul Martin, like just a ton of guys contributed to it. Um, and it's just, it's an amazing, it, let me put it this way. It was such a big document. It took me a full day to make it into a PDF. Like <laughs> that, like I, I actually had to get my wife involved to help me turn it into a PDF because uh, my computer didn't have enough memory to change it. And I mean, I'm, I'm a guy who records, like this is my eighth podcast this week already. And wow. it's your, your wife must hate you. I invited your wife on the podcast because I figured <laughs> that you're, you're always so busy. Like she can spend the time with you. Like that's some quality time together. I'd love, I'd love to see my wife get more involved. I mean, she, she, she's super involved in, you know, the fantasy uh, thing, but mostly from like a troll in social media. <laughs> yeah. I see uh, that perspective. Uh, she's been asked to write articles and do podcasts before. And uh, she's definitely thought about it, uh, but never has pulled the trigger. One of these days I'm going to get her on one of my podcasts. You should uh, just to, cause you know, people like our banter and, and the kind of our relationship. It's, it's funny. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, she's, she's a pretty awesome chick. She's, uh, the only reason I'm able to do as many things as I uh, do in the industry is because uh, of her support and being willing to sacrifice, uh, and kind of pick up my slack around the house and things like that with the kids uh, in order to give me the kind of time I need to uh, do all that I do. Right on. So was my boy Colin, uh, Weatherwax part of this, uh, draft guide? I believe I Colin did one article this year. Colin... Uh, he's really focused on the podcasting side and he's picked up a lot of work over at pitcher list. Uh, and like, I'm super proud of Colin as much as I'd hate to admit it. Um, because him and I, you know, uh, bicker, uh, publicly, but Colin's one of those rising stars, uh, within the industry that people need to start paying more attention to. He's, he's a fantastic fantasy player, uh, on top of being a very good analyst and uh, a pretty entertaining guy as well. Yeah. Nice guy. And he's a smart guy too. So yeah, mm-hmm. give him a little shout out here. Um, so, um, our podcast, um, if you don't know, it's it mainly focuses around the, the high stakes leagues and FBC, uh, but not, but we, but we try to relate it to like other draft champion, like draft and hold leagues, or even, uh, anything that mirrors like the Rotowire online, which is a mm-hmm. 30, 30 round draft, which coincidentally, coincidentally TGFBI is very much like that. And it's actually mm-hmm. hosted on the NFBC platform. And um, so it really is highly relatable to our content, um, despite the fact that there is no entry fee. But a lot of uh, you've been hearing people say that oh, you, you don't have the best players play in FBC, and that's not necessarily true at all. And like, like mm-hmm. if you want, it, I don't know if you want to take the opportunity here because you, you, you've had people here have been talking. Uh, not going to mention any names, but they're talking without anyone that's really able to say anything back to them. Um, about about the, about that issue, right? But I'll just say that I think, like, obviously, there's really great players in the TGFBI, and just because there's no money involved doesn't mean that the mm-hmm. effort's not there, and there there, um, there isn't any prestige, or it's not just as just as much of an accomplishment winning it. I think it. I think the amount of great players and people that take it seriously uh, mean it is a tough task to take it down whether that's a league uh, individually or the overall. Uh, and I think the fact that two guys who are pretty much like legends within the industry taking it down the first two years in Clay Link and Todd Zola uh, really prove that like 
you know, some of these guys who've been giving analysis for a really long time uh, and have big names in the industry, like have them for a reason. Uh, obviously, there's going to be people in any format, in any league. I don't care if it's a free league like TGFBI or a $1,700 league like the main event that people like give up or they don't try as hard as they should. And I love the idea that it's, well, it's only competitive if it's paid. I, I don't think that's always true because I've gone to poker rooms and seen guys play for tens of thousands of dollars and play like jackasses because yep. they have way more money than anybody else. I mean, for instance, there's a, you know, a guy who's a hedge fund manager that plays in the main event every year, David Einhorn. Do you think $1,700 means anything to him? No, that'd be like if I played for 25 cents. Like, so, like, I think I've seen that name in some of the draft rooms I've been mm -hmm. in this year in the NFBC. So, yeah, I think he, oh, yeah, he's, 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 a, not sh he's not shy to throw some money around. Yeah, like, he's a, you know, he's a big NFBC player. And, like, I know he takes it seriously, even though the money means nothing to him. For him, it's about the competition. And, you know, for me, I, I know, like, like, definitely, you know, would I prefer to win the main event uh, overall? as opposed to like a $50 buy-in? Sure, of course I would, because I like $150,000 means a hell of a lot more than to me than maybe, you know, $300. Uh, that being said, like, I know personally my own work ethic, I try in every league I've got. And, you know, the most important leagues to me are the free leagues because they've got some of the best competition, like the Barf League, uh, which I host in San Francisco. Uh, it's a Bay Area fantasy uh, industry league. Uh, Tout Wars, Labor, uh, TGFBI, like those are really important leagues to me and I, I don't dog them. Now, I can't talk for everybody. And I know there are fantasy analysts that go, well, if I'm not competing in an in industry league in May, I just stop paying attention. That's the nature of fantasy though. I mean, you know, we see it in the main event. If someone's in the bottom third of the main event in June, they've started, uh, you know, checking out football for you know, a lot of them. So, I don't think money is uh, as big of an issue as someone's work ethic. Um, is Barf uh, for money? No, no, it, it's all bragging rights, but we want them. And uh, especially because I talk a lot of trash, uh, yeah. especially when I'm winning. And the, I think it was the second year of Barf. I went wire to wire pretty much from like mid April through the rest of the year. I was, I, I was ahead the entire year. Um, and at one point, like in August, I was up by 30 points on second place and I almost lost the league. Um, but of course I'd been trash talking relentlessly since like May. <laughs> Who's uh, your biggest rival in that league? Oh, I mean, like you would, you'd trash talk the most or just everyone, everyone in general. Um, I mean, Howard Bender is always great for trash talk. Uh, Sammy Reed is always great for trash talk. Uh, Sammy has been super successful in that league. He's won the football version of it twice uh, in a row and almost won the baseball version for the second time in a row this year. Well, football, this football's year. all luck anyways, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, especially when a guy like Sammy's winning it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sammy's a great player. Um, but, yeah, I mean, all the guys, uh, because there's no money involved uh, and, like, we spend the whole day drafting together at a bar – like the most important part of it is being able to trash talk. So if you finish in the bottom part of that league, like you, you don't get to talk as much, but uh, you know, you win the league uh, like I have, or, or, you know, or have been competitive every year uh, for the most part, you know, you, you get to kind of, uh, you know, trash talk the competition, which is part of like what home leagues are about. Right. I saw that boy. I saw the board and it's different. It's an OBP quality start league. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, man, I saw – I just looked at it briefly. The one thing that stuck out to me is uh, Josh Donaldson going so early. Well, and Arenado went late. Arenado almost fell to the third round before uh, uh, Bubba um, uh, from, from uh, Bench of the Bubba podcast, like, just got gifted him, like, I think it was 25th overall. I was like, Where wow, like – I'm looking, I'm looking at the board the right second now. Second round, he, he went Colt. Uh, oh, he went he yeah, Cole yeah. Arenado, um, and it was just like we were watching him just drop and drop and drop. And I'm just, you know, sitting at the other end of the draft board, going, "Oh my God, how is he falling this far?" Uh, but I mean, that sometimes happens in these leagues. Like when you don't have, uh, you know, the software telling you who to pick, sometimes you, you know, people <laughs> skip over or, uh, you know, and. I think there are some fears on Arenado moving out of Colorado. I don't have them, but, uh, you know, I know some people do. Who would you start off with? I'm trying, oh, yeah, uh, I'm trying to find this. It's very hard to see in this picture. Yeah, like I, I, I started off with uh, uh, Lindor in the first round and then J.D. Martinez in the second. Nice. Uh, J.D.'s a nice um, OBP floor Exactly. There. And but, Yeah, I mean, and he's but, outfield eligible, so it's like, uh, it's just it's such a nice start to it. You can't really knock Lindor for anything much, but he's, he's, he does lose some value in the OBP format. Yeah, I just wanted – I knew I wanted one of the, you know, top shortstops uh, and then to pair him with uh, – I thought I was going to pair him with a pitcher, but pitching went way even faster early on than I thought it would. Uh, I mean, because I think Verlander went like sixth or seventh overall. Yeah. So uh, I ended up like just kind of pivoting and like, well, if other people are going to build these massive pitching staffs, I'm going to build a massive offense. So my, I think my first four picks went offense uh, with a ton of upside because you know, when it's a free league, no one cares about second place. It's all about finishing first. So I I went for upside. I love Albies. I love him this year. Yeah. um, I've talked to um, Toby from bat flip, bat flip crazy. And Mm -hmm. I've been in, I've been in some drafts with him with him. He has been, um, all over Starling Marte uh, in a lot of these drafts because he likes that. He likes. He'll start with his, his pitchers, of course, and then mm-hmm. he likes that. He likes that balanced profile. He likes. He likes the fans. He likes the Martes. Um, well, I'm looking at what he 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 sort of did things differently. He sort of looked. His draft here sort of looks like he want he wanted to just get his guys. Like he just wanted to get the guys that like um, to outsmart the field in OBP. He took Hoskins early uh, mm-hmm. and Donaldson. I think it just seemed like it seems like maybe he had these players in his head. He's like, I'm just going to grab these players. I don't care about ADP. Uh, but my but my point is, when he's grabbing, when he's been grabbing starting Marte, and I was thinking about this just earlier this afternoon. You're reaching on 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 Marte, and another thing he says, not to just pick 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 apart what Toby says because what he says is often very smart, and I agree with it. And he's one of the things I do agree with. He said uh, he wants to get infielders early. So I'm thinking to myself. If you're going to – like, I've, I saw him reach early second round on, on Marte. And I, I call it a reach, but nothing's a reach. I'm thinking to myself, why not Albies? Why, why, why isn't Albies ever going where, where he's taking Marte? Because I, I see I, – I'd personally rather have Albies over Marte. I think I'd still want to have uh, uh, Marte over Albies. But I think for some reason, Albies gets this knock like he isn't a premier talent with still some room to grow. I mean, he's only 23 years old, and he just turned 23. So, I mean, he's going to be 23 all year long. Uh, And he's coming off of two seasons in which he's hit 24 home runs and stolen 14 or 15 bases uh, with good averages. I mean, he hit 295 on top of that last year. And I think people are like, well, that's who he is. 
well, I think that, you know, definitely is who he is. But, like, I at 23, you can't tell me dude doesn't have room to grow, too. And he's, you know, going to be batting at the top of that uh, nice uh, Atlanta uh, uh, offense. And, like, I think he just kind of gets overlooked like he's this guy that isn't going to be any more projectable than it already is. I think that's a mistake. Uh, but I, I love Marte, too. So it's really hard for me to be like, like crap on Marte because uh, Marte and me go back a long ways. You guys are good buddies? Yeah. No, he's – Yeah, I, I mean, Marte is one of those guys that I've been, like, talking about, like, as underrated forever. And now he's finally getting his due. And I'm like, oh, great. Now I'm not going to get any shares. Yeah, he's he's going he's going really high this year. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, d- it depends on the draft, but yeah, he could he could he definitely seen him in the second round quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so th- this this Barf league is also I think it's it's thirty rounds, similar to the TGFBI, similar to the RotoWire online championship that you'll see on the NFBC. So it's a very f- similar format, fifteen teams. Um, only thing, like I said, this was OBP the draft that we were just talking about. Um, so getting to the TGFBI because it is like I said similar like almost identical to your road wire online championships, which are your $350 buy-ins. Um, looking at last year, I don't, I don't know how you did it. I, I didn't, I didn't win my league either. Um, but looking at your success and failure last year, like my, myself in particular, I, I have a habit of just in a road rotisserie league, especially one with waivers where you can not the draft and holds. I want to get, I, I almost went too much upside for my team. So mm-hmm. I, I did hit on a lot of good players. Um, like I got Alonzo in round 13. I got, uh, McNeil in round 18 I got Tatis in round 19 um, but I'm not saying all the uh, all the players that I missed on like I did my first two rounds were Acuna Soto so that was great but then everything in between of what I just said were also risks and I ended up and if not if not for hitting for those on those players I just talked about I would have done terrible um, mm-hmm. really really bad but I guess it's uh, maybe Maybe talk about like um, your success, like what 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 worked for you last year and what uh, didn't, and um, I guess uh, speak about uh, the, like I guess your risk tolerance when when drafting in the, in this type of format. Well, I think especially when you're drafting in a format like NFBC that has an overall component, people tend to want to lean towards going for those high risk, high reward type players that could pop and and you know quote unquote win your league and. The problem with that is the track record of guys who've won like the main event overall have done it with more boring rosters than people think. Like if you go and look at like, uh, you know, in TGFBI, uh, Clay Link's roster from two years ago, you're not going to like see like a bunch of names that just broke out that year. You're going to see a bunch of guys who were overlooked on his team because they were considered boring or over the hill. Uh, and, they were just undervalued coming into drafts. You know, Rob Silver talks about this all the time. Like, you know, as a guy who's won the main event, um, you know, and Dave Potts, another guy who talks about this is, you know, everybody reaches for those like sexy, flashy, younger players. uh, But like those boom bust rates aren't very good, you know, over the course of, you know, a full year or, or a number of years, you're actually better off a lot of times just putting together a team that accumulates a ton of stats. And usually it's guys like Nelson Cruz who, uh, you know, chronically underrated uh, that are the ones that really overperform their draft spots. So I think this idea that you need to reach for upside with every pick 
it is a good idea is actually a fallacy because it ends up adding too much overall risk to your, uh, to your overall squad. And it's too hard to hit on all of those. It's much easier to hit on a few of those and then bank a lot of stats with other guys. And I mean, that's one of the, I mean, I really learned that lesson last year in the main event and uh, you know, those who, who like follow my work, I'm sure you heard me talk or write a lot about, about my main event team because I took a lot of risks and some of them paid off really well. Austin Meadows and uh, Victor Robles were great picks, but man, I had too many Luis Severino's and Giancarlo Stanton's and uh, Carlos Martinez and Garrett Hampson's. And even though like half of my team way over exceeded projection, the other half of my team drugged me down so far that I was never able to recover. Um, I think that's what happened to mine too in the TGFBI. Yeah. And so you just have to be really mindful about where you take those shots and definitely not like do it every other pick. Cause I think some people are like, well, every pick I'm going to take will have upside. And then if all of them will hit, like the chance that all of them are going to hit is insanely, insanely low. Like it's just never going to happen. It's like winning the lottery. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of times we overlook those guys that don't seem sexy, uh, but have guaranteed production. And, and those are the guys you really want to, you know, glue your roster with. I guess what you're saying is if you're going to hit on, say, 50% of your risks you take, you don't want to be taking risks on everyone. You want to have a certain section of your draft or, I guess, um, a percentage of your draft that are just safer players. Not You don't want to just have – you don't want to say, oh, if I – if I take all risks, but I hit on half of them, I'm should be good. No, because you still you're still left with a hole, right? Yeah, and especially like I think in twelve team leagues, like you know the online championship, you can do that and get away with it a little bit more, just because there's way more left on the waiver wire. But like in a fifteen team league, if a quarter of your team doesn't succeed, there's no way to recover for that. Actually, like, you, know what, you know what? You're right. You just corrected me because I said there's, there's identical. I think the Rotowires are 12 teams, mm-hmm. and this, this is 15 teams. So I, I was wrong. Yeah. I, I, I misspoke. No, that's all right. Yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, I mean, in the 15-team leagues, like the, the replacement value isn't there in order for you to replace half or a quarter of your team. It's just it's never going to work. Uh, and if you're, if you're trying to constantly replace players, then you can't take a shot on big-name fab pickups and things like that because – you're constantly having to spend money to replace guys that didn't work out. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's definitely something I've, you know, adjusted my strategy for this year. Uh, you know, take shots here and there, but do it in smart places where, like, it doesn't cost huge draft capital. Like, I'm going to be out on Luis Robert. That's okay. Like, I know a lot of people are really, really, you know, excited about him and interested in him, but, like, if he doesn't come through – I just wasted a fourth or a fifth round draft pick. Whereas I can go for a guy 70 picks later in Danny Santana, which really has the, you know, who has really the same upside. Um, and even that I think is, is Santana's going way too high. So like, I agree. You know, you know, like we can, you know, just like go like down much further and, and look, you know, for a guy like Austin Hayes, who's going 239. Like I'll take the gamble there as opposed to Danny Santana or, uh, Luis Robert, you know, because if my, you know, 18th round pick doesn't pan out, oh, well, you know, but if my fifth round pick doesn't pan out, that hurts, you know, that's a lot more to make up on the waiver wire. 
Right. And that's, that's a good segue into what my next question was. It's going to be, how do you navigate those last couple of rounds where like those players that you probably are going to start cycling through waivers with um, like say your rounds 25 through 30, for example, I guess your strategy would be different in a 12 team league and a 15 team. Mm-hmm. League. Um, for, for example, in the 12 team rotowires, I tend to take a lot of, um, I take a lot of uh, chances in those rounds because those are players I'm going to cycle through anyways. Um, and it's spe- like, I guess, how, are there any differences in, in your strategy in, in, I guess, the, the depth of your league, but more so when you draft? So I'm talking about drafting now, like even back into January versus March, because there's so much that can change from, from like January through March, closer battles, rookies, uh, knowing rookies are going to start the, with the team. So for example, like your Mackenzie Gores or other potential closers, like say your Giovanni Gallegos, um, not, not to say he'd ever, Gallegos is not going undrafted. But, like, look at your Gores, look at your, um, I don't know, like um, Matt McGill on the, on the Mariners, mm-hmm. just as an example. Like, do you take – because I'd rather take my shots on those guys in the last round than say, like, Ian Happ. Because let's say two months from now or two months from January, the, the bad runs, and then what's going to cost you more? If, if Mackenzie Gore is saying – that if they're saying he's going to be up by the end of April, he's going to cost you a shitload on, on, uh, with Fab rather than – let's say Ian Happ wins a job. Okay, well, he's 50 bucks. What do you – I guess, what are your thoughts on that? I think, I mean, you mentioned two guys I really like, so that's uh, interesting you threw those two names out there. But uh, I think especially early on, you know, in, in January and February before jobs and things are announced, I definitely want to take a shot on those guys that have uh, like a real outside chance, but I believe that they've got a real chance of making a team that maybe other people don't. Because like Mackenzie Gore – is one of those guys who I honestly believe will be in the opening day rotation. Nice. Uh, I love you know, I love to hear that. You know, yeah, for, for the Padres. And it, right now his like ADP in online championships is like 279. You know, they did this with Paddock, like where, you know, he was supposed to go down for the first three weeks and then they just decided without even giving him a contract, he was going to be in the opening day rotation. Well, if that happens to Gore, he's going to go up, like, 150 picks. And, like, worst-case scenario, he's not up in the first three weeks, and you drop him. Um, so, like, he's definitely the kind of guy I want to uh, invest in, you know, kind of early in draft season before news is out. Uh, but also, it's really – the end of your roster, for me, is about finishing off a puzzle. So, every draft is a puzzle that you're trying to make a winning picture out of. Now, you can put that puzzle together in a lot of different ways. Like, you know, you talked about, you know, Toby from Batflip Crazy. Like, he likes to do it with the two aces on top. And so it, it, it's going to make the same winning picture, but he wants to, you know, uh, put the puzzle together in a different direction than maybe I will, someone who's less likely to take uh, two starting pitchers in the first two rounds. Uh, that being said, the the end of the draft is where you finish that picture. And so it's where you like plug holes, especially in leagues that don't have trading. Like, you know, I mean, if you're short on speed, like that's the time to go after, you know, Jorge Mateo, uh, you know, a guy who, you know, could be, you know, starting second baseman for the A's and steal 50 bases if given the opportunity, you know, or it's maybe you've got a really risky team and, you know, like a really risky pitching staff and you just want to get a guy that, is going to get you guaranteed innings, you know? And so then maybe you're looking at like a Ross Stripling late or, um, 
you know, a guy like Jeff Samarja late or, or uh, Kyle Gibson late. You know, it doesn't, I think a lot of times we, especially in the deeper formats, people like only take upside late. Well, if you've taken a lot of upside that has a lot of risk early, then late you need to counterbalance that with some guaranteed stats. And even in 15 team leagues, there are guys that are going to play every day at the, we know at this point that you can do kind of backfill that with if the rest of your draft has a lot of risk. Totally, except for Jeff Samarja. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Guy's lost four miles an hour on his fastball. He's like 6K9. He's 35. He's going to get like seven wins on the Giants. Yeah, definitely not going to get a lot of wins on the Giants. But that being said, uh, if you disclude the uh, year in – uh, 2018, in which he obviously got hurt, um, and oh yeah, also really, he's, hurt, he's been hurt. I forgot about that. But I mean, he was only hurt in 2018. Other than that, he's pitched at least 174 innings in every season uh, since 2012. He's an accumulator. Like he's not like the guy who's going to win your league, but he's going to throw a ton of innings because he's in that park. He's going to give you good ratios, uh, and. You know, the amount of strikeouts he gets, yeah, he doesn't have a huge strikeout per nine, but he should strike out seven, eight per nine. And when he's throwing 200 innings, that adds up. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, is he going to do what he did last year in terms of the ratios? No. There's obviously going to be some regression, but it's not going to be that bad. But if you're, if you're looking at, like, a draft and hold, like, yes, he is an accumulator, but those things that you want him to accumulate are wins and strikeouts, and he's, not, and he's getting you probably as many as somebody else that throws 140 innings. But he's also going to stabilize ratios. And in a draft and old, you should be cycling those starters in. You know, you should be having, you know, 15 starters that you're cycling in throughout the year, you know, for, you know, uh, depending on matchups. Like the bottom third of your rotation should be, should not be, uh, you know, stable. It should be a fluid thing where you're, you're cycling guys in and out. I agree with the concept. I, I like I like those boring guys like in the draft and holds. Like I love I like Alex Cobb for his price, like in the six hundreds. Oh God, you're making fun of me for Jeff Samarja, <laughs> and you just said you like Alex Cobb. I'll take Cobb over Samarja. I'll make you bet Cobb outperforms Samarja this year. Oh, done. You're you're on. What do you want? What do you want to bet? Five bucks. Uh let's let, let's bet um, a loser or a winner gets to choose the loser's uh, Twitter avatar for a week after the season. Done. Okay, because I mean, you know Alex Cobb threw 12 innings last year, right? Yeah. Okay, just, just making sure. And he was actually worse than – he was actually terrible in those 12 innings. Yeah. Or like um, a 10 ERA. Yeah, yeah. This is, yeah, this is not going to end well for you, my friend. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> it's actually – it's an uphill battle for sure. Yeah. I, I, I guess I'm thinking I like Cobb's value in the 600s. I don't know if I like him more than Samarja. <laughs> They're both bad. Um, all right. Um, what else? Um, so, yeah, I, I think um, I forgot to mention before that um, somebody was talking on Twitter today about a ranking system. Like, there is, I know there's a ranking mm-hmm. system for, like, um, sort of how, like, how tennis players are ranked or whatever, or poker players. They have a ranking system for, like, the top in the world right now. And NFBC has a formula for that. I think they take, like, um, the median points for the rotisserie format and the main event and then how whatever percentage you were above it that year, those are your points that tacked onto your total. And the more recent total counts for more. So I think somebody was developed something. Was it um some um Matt Thompson? Somebody, somebody was. I don't know if you were. I don't know if you saw on Twitter. Anyway, somebody. Yeah, was, yeah. It was. Uh, I think it was Smata. Yeah, yeah. 
so he, he I, I don't know, I don't know what, um, I don't know what mechanism he used, but I think he's, he's developed some sort of um, uh, ranking system for the TGFBI, which I think is great in ter- great with, in terms of yes, giving it legitimacy and um, seeing that like, yeah, the, the people will want to become part of that leaderboard and want to just, mm-hmm. it, it, it will be, the TGFBI will become more of an indicator of the better players. Yeah, and I think it's uh, I think that's something that over time we'll definitely be able to see, uh, and like nothing to take away from Smata, who does amazing work uh, for TGFBI, helping out with those kind of you know tables and graphs and things like that, uh, and and kind of statistics behind the competition, um, as well as for Friends of Fancy Benefits, and then he does a lot of work over at Prospects Live. Uh, it's way too small of a sample, like to like be gaining anything from it. Like it's you know it's two years worth of data like that's it that's two leagues like if if you gave me two you know two leagues uh, and told me like oh i i you know finished in the top 10 percent of both these leagues that makes me one of the best players in the world i'd laugh at you like it's it's not a large enough sample size over time uh so but that's all we have right now so obviously um you know it's one of those things where it's fun to kind of play with the numbers but I think it's too early to glean much of anything uh, other than the fact that, you know, got some guys have had two really good showings. And that's a, I think that's a really good point. So uh, against the, I guess the NFBC main event leaderboard, because it is a really small mm-hmm. sample size. And I guess you can say, Oh, that's the highest buy-in, but is it really like people did really well in other leagues that, that are just as, that was just as challenging. So I think that's a good point you're making. It's really, it's a small sample. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm not taking away from anything from the guys that are on the top of that leaderboard. I think they're all really strong players. And, uh, uh, and a lot of them played in the Champions League this last year, the, the, the first and only Champions League that TGFBI is going to have, uh, and competed obviously very well in that. Uh, that being said, like, it, it's, you know, if we talk about statistics, we always want to talk about sample size. And, you know, we're, we're not going to say a guy's become, you know, a different kind of hitter after two weeks. We can't, like, after two seasons say, well, this determines anything other than, you know, people had good showings in the first two years. Right on. So um, before before we go, because I know this is going to be an abbreviated podcast, we got a couple we got a couple more minutes here, but I wanted to ask you about any specific strategies you have. Well, two things. Any specific strategies you have in going into your drafts? Um, I guess just overall, um, I guess, theories of how to construct your team with respect to, to positions or categories. And then we've already, got, we've already talked on, on the second point a little bit, but just like, do you have any guys that like late round guys, like draft and hold or, or um, TGFBI formats that are sort of your guys that are sort of your sleepers this year that you tend to be getting a lot of? So I guess first, first of all, um, any, stra- any particular strategy that you'd like to, like to share with us? Like, do you... Um, Wait on closers. Do you want to do you do, do you like do you like to pocket aces? Anything you do with starting pitching, or or you tend to mix it up? I, I tend to mix it up quite a bit. Uh, I I like to change things up and try different things, and you know you know see what works and what doesn't. I mean, I definitely have guys who like are targets at the end of drafts for me. Jorge Mateo, a guy I mentioned earlier, ending up on virtually every single one of my teams because he's out of options, and I think if he gets a full run whether it be with Oakland or another team, like he could be like a Trey Turner-esque type player. And like, 
you just don't see guys go from being, you know, outside the top 300 in terms of ADP uh, to giving you like first or second round uh, talent. So like he's a guy that just ends up on every single one of my rosters. Uh, strategy things. I mean, I don't like to wait on closers. Uh, so like, I, I know a lot of people are like really pushing down closers and I feel like I'm taking advantage of that this year on uh, barf. Like I, I, I popped on, uh, I think it was, uh, Yates and Osuna, like in the seventh, eighth round and like then chaos later ensued for other people, uh, it, it, like in the closer department. Like I, I know, I understand like closers have like risk and everything like that, but they have risk really in the bottom part of like the closer department. And so I'm I'm not one of those people that are going to tell you, like, don't pay for saves because you can find them in season. Everybody's looking for them in season, even if they have them. Like, and so I don't want to get in bidding wars over that. I, I want to get, like, stable uh, – I, I want all my categories to be stable leaving a draft uh, unless I'm, like, choosing to punt a category, which I wouldn't do in an overall competition. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so uh, ending off the podcast on a strong note here, people always love this um, – um, who are your guys? Who are your sleepers? Mm-hmm. Like, um, who's your Alex Cobb? <laughs> um, I mean, uh, Mackenzie Gore is definitely that one of those guys for me. Uh, like, he's my guy that, like, I'm trying to get a lot of. Jorge Mateo, another guy, like, I'm trying to get a lot of. Uh, Anthony Santander is a guy that I really like towards the end of the draft. If Domingo Santana ends up signing with Cleveland, like, his ADP is going to go up, but I don't think it's going to come up, like, into the top, uh, you know, 250 or anything. And, like, he's shown the ability to go 30-15. Right. On. I, thought he, I thought Domingo signed already. I guess I'm wrong. I think he's close. Oh, okay. Like, so, uh, like, there's uh, – like, but he's, like, one of those guys that, like, people just aren't paying attention to because he hasn't had a team. Uh, you know, like I said, the ADP will go up, but I don't think it's going to, like, break the bank in any regards. Like, Manny Margot is another one. Like, did Tampa just trade for him to sit on the bench? I don't think they did. Uh, and, like, people forget, like, he was a top 10 prospect, like, three years ago. Yeah, I don't know what they're thinking. Of that. I have no idea on that. I, I told Paul today uh, that, you know, um, uh, trying to figure out the Tampa uh, lineup uh, and who's going to be platooned, who's going to sit and all that is like arguing with a crazy person. At <laughs> some point, you become the crazy person, too, if you continue to argue with a crazy person. It's true. Um, like Nate Lowe, I just heard today that um, I don't know if you read the report that uh, one, I think their GM, if I'm not mistaken, said that Wander Franco is in their plans this year. So that throws a wrench into Brandon Lowe even and, and anyone at first, second, everyone, everyone's like, it's going to be, everyone's going to get 358 bats. No, yeah. No. Just take Austin Meadows and forget the rest, I guess. I mean, just like at this point, like Austin Meadows and Snell and I don't care about anybody else. Yeah. That's actually, what about Morton? So, Morton Morton's going to retire after this year. Yeah, I mean, that, God, that's probably going to uh, keep. That's going to probably give people a little bit, a little bit of pause because they're like, "What is he thinking? What is he feeling?" So I think that he he might move down boards now because of that. If he does, I'll grab shares. I, I love Charlie Morton. I think he's. Uh, if he was, you know, twenty eight, people would be drafting him like, uh, you know, like another round higher. Uh, but because of his age and, you know, his injury history, which he's, you know, proven at this point that he's kind of passed, like people just continuously push him down draft boards. Right on. Okay. Well, um, I think we got to call it a, a day here because I got to, I got to run. Um, but, uh, 
Hey, Justin, thanks so much for, for joining us. Um, and again, um, let everyone know where they can find you. Um, I, I know you can, they can find Justin at, um, at Justin Mason FWFD on Twitter. And then mm -hmm. uh, why don't you mention your draft kit once more? Yeah, you can get the fantasy benefit on Amazon, uh, either an ebook or a PD or, a, or a, a regular paperback, or you can email me justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com and get a PDF for uh, $7. Uh, yeah, it, it's well worth the money. It's like, uh, it's, it's the most bang for your buck that you're going to probably find the, in the industry. Awesome. Oh, and by the way, our, our Cobb Samarja thing, it, it, injuries don't cancel that, right? Of course not. Okay, good. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, thanks, buddy. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right.